Hello and welcome to God's Word During Exile. This is a podcast in which a group of pastors that seems to change with the wind gathers and uh, we record a Bible study. We are currently going through uh, Luther's Catechism. And uh, last week, if you didn't listen to it, we would recommend that you pause this one, go back and listen to it. We had Jason Goodham on. Uh, sorry, Dr. Jason, Reverend, Reverend Dr. Jason Goodham on, um, and he kind of unpacked and gave us a little bit of an intro for the catechism, and now we're going to take that and run. And so um, today, we're excited to share with you what I have no idea we're actually going to share, because I came late to this, and literally when I walked in, we had a little bit of a conversation, and then Mike decided to just hit the record button out of nowhere. So we're just going, guys. And uh, hopefully I don't make too big of a fool of myself, but nothing could be bigger than being super fluty. So if I embarrass myself, this could be a podcast for the ages, ladies and gentlemen, but it wouldn't be out of line or unexpected. All right. So uh, with that as a splendid intro, I don't think I can do any better than I did last week with picking people out, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And I'm going to say, uh, Matt Nelson's here. Mike is over here and Ben is right here. Uh, and I don't think I got any of them right, but I'm totally fine with that. So I'm going to pass it off to Mike, unless he tells me that I'm supposed to do something now. No, I mean, frankly, you peaked last week. We probably all peaked last week with Jason Goodham here. Like it's all here on the catechism. So don't worry about it at all. Uh, well, Nelson, will you pray for us as we open up? Let's do it. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to study your word. And we just pray that as we go over the catechism, that you would draw us closer to yourself and that you'd help us to understand these things. Show us uh, the value of this useful tool. Uh, but we remember that um, it is only good insofar as it is uh, led by your spirit and built upon your word. And and so I pray that you'd give us wisdom and discernment with this. And uh, and we pray, Lord, that you would be active in our daily life. We recognize that uh, we need you each and every day. And uh, we also need your truth to be shaping us daily and throughout our whole life. And so I pray that uh, as we do this, that you would be accomplishing that in us. And uh, so guide our conversation and all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so last week we had an introduction to the entire Luther small catechism, a little bit up on the large catechism as well. Uh, but we're going to jump into the first section of the small, which is the Ten Commandments. Uh, rather than telling you to go to a page and open up your catechisms, though, we're going to start by heading to Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to take a look at where God gives us those Ten Commandments. And uh, we might try to number them ourselves. We might talk about all kinds of goofy things. But uh, I didn't warn Ben first, but Ben, if you've got Exodus 20 open, do you want to read the important parts of it for us? If you don't have it open, yeah. I can do it. Pull it up here. And anything you don't read right. will think that you don't consider it important. 
not not an important part of scripture. Anything you leave out. <laughs> All right. Oh, look at that. Mike got his cross okay. on for today. Good work, buddy. Nice. I saw, I think everybody else is wearing a cross and I, oh yeah. yeah, Matt definitely is now. I can see that. Yeah. So I was like, oh man, am I the only person not wearing a cross? Well, Post-it note cross, ben, let's go. Ben and Matt had theirs on and then I looked up and noticed one that my son had bought for me this summer. So I threw it on too, just to make you feel left out. Shout out Steve Holt. <laughs> All right. Exodus chapter 20. Okay, I will read through verse 21. All right. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a, seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when the people, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. People stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So I've got a fun exercise for you, listeners and watchers. If you want to pause this video now or this this podcast and open up Exodus 20, get it in front of you, get a piece of paper and try to jot down the Ten Commandments from the text that's there. Something I do with my confirmation students every time we study it. And without fail, somebody only finds nine and almost everybody else finds like 11 or 12 Mm -hmm. commandments. So, you know, uh, put in the work and just see how you do it numbering these. Uh, Let's start with the first. Natal, what's the first commandment? Verse three. You shall shall have no other gods before me. I know when I grew up memorizing the Ten Commandments, that's what it was. Matt, what's the first commandment? 
I'll I'll say the same. You I'm shall a... have no other gods before me. Ben, what about you? What do you think? First commandment. As far as the commands go, you shall have no other gods before me. You should unpack that for us, though, Ben. I was expecting a different answer. I mean, do you want <laughs> more of it? Like, it, it continues to go on. But, like, if we're just using... Oh, I, I want the answer that's at the tip of Ben's tongue. I can see it in his eyes. Okay, so the reason I specified as far as the commandments go is because in the, in the Hebrew... Uh, text of exodus 20 what we often call the 10 commandments is referred to as it's really the 10 words that's where we get the the word decalogue from the 10 words of god and the first word that god speaks is i am the lord your god who brought you up out of the land of egypt out of the house of slavery is that what you're looking for mike that is what I was looking for. He wasn't even listening. He doesn't. I was even listening. <laughs> I was like, listening. That is what I was looking for. Um, and why? Why Ben? Might that be a really significant and important thing? I guess it doesn't have to be Ben. It could be anybody. Why is that an important and significant thing? As we look at the Ten Commandments, starting with that that first word, "I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the Egypt, out of the land of slavery." Well, I'll just jump in quickly and say that, like you, Hus. Uh, I grew up starting at verse three. And so I think a really important, I mean, that's what I remember anyway. I maybe my teachers will be upset with me and say, no, we did talk about this, but uh, basically I always just thought of the, when I thought of the 10 commandments, I started at verse three and, um, and, you know, so there was a real heavy emphasis on law and do this, don't do that. And, um, and I think we're really missing something really important there and it's a gospel kind of thing. And so maybe you guys can jump in there and. Yeah. I mean, I would say by having that portion, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of Egypt and out of slavery. It frames the 10 commandments differently. It frames them from a mindset of a loving parent who's giving guidance and guidelines so that we can properly interact not only with God, but also with other people. And the Israelites just coming out of slavery are relearning how to live with each other. And so this is God out of his love giving us these commandments to essentially help us move forward productive it really starts off uh with relationship right we have this relationship with god wherein we become these people that comes afterwards i know i grew up seeing the ten commandments as kind of my list of things if i did them and did them well then god's going to be happy with me and he's going to give me good stuff like it's super bad understanding of of scripture and the 10 commandments, but I think pretty natural. I think most of us have been through that phase where we think if we just do what God said, everything's going to go well. God's going to be happy. He'll give me good things. I might make it into heaven. Um, but when we start with that in verse two, it, it begins with this relationship. I am the, I am the gracious God who loved you, who redeemed you, who brought you out. You know, I am to put it in our context on the other side of Christ. He is also the God that sent 
his only begotten son to die for us, to pay the price for our sins. That's a relationship we start from and we respond to the grace of God then, rather than trying to earn his favor, we have it in Christ. And that gives us an identity, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so it frames the whole, the whole context, right. And helps us to understand that these commandments then are speaking to, you know, it's not it's not dealing with Mike as you were you're saying how you understood it as a kid. It's not it's not setting up a way for us to be righteous before God. That has already taken place in God's action um, on our behalf in saving us and making us His own people. Um, so what the Ten Commandments are then is it shows us the will of God for his people. And one of the things that can help us with this as well is that, and this is kind of, it's harder to see if you, if you aren't able to work with, with the Hebrew text, but when we talk about them as commands, we often think of them just simply in terms of, you know, an imperative, you know, do this. Right. Um, But in the Hebrew, they're not actually imperatives. Okay, so they're not grammatically set up as as commands in that regard, as imperatives. Um, but rather, it's a it's a future tense, kind of like you will do this. Okay, so you know God has saved you, He has redeemed you, He has made you His own, and this is what God's redeemed people will do. Right. So it um, so that's helpful uh, as well because. It it speaks to us then that that the the doing of good works and the and the following of God's law is something that that He works in us through His Holy Spirit through uh, the Word of God. Something that is it's fruit that is produced um, by faith by the one who has been redeemed, and so it it describes very much our life in in Christ in you know, as the redeemed people of God. Um, and so, just trying to decide how much <laughs> detail you want to go in here. But so so if if we understand uh, the commandments in that way, then, you know, we, we might ask the question, well, why do we speak of them as commandments? Aren't we supposed to follow these commands? And, and yes, it's true. Um, when God describes the the Christian life, you know, and we examine ourselves in light of what God says, this is what my people do. We're going to see, hey, guess what? I I don't do that all the time. I fail at that, and so and so that's where the you know the law convicting function comes in because. I'm, I'm baptized into Christ. I am God's child. I belong to him. But, and so this is how my life should be. This is what the, the Christian life looks like. And I don't do that. So that's where that conviction of sin comes in and the call to repentance, but also the call to, to faith, to trust in the finished work of Christ for us and to know that 
even though we are always going to be imperfect in our keeping of the law, we will bear this fruit because God is at work in us because we are united to Christ. We have the Holy spirit. God is at work in us. And so we know that even though we do a really lousy job of keeping the commandments and living as we're supposed to, we can have um, comfort in one, the continual forgiveness of sins and also knowing that God is at work in us to produce this fruit, even if we have a hard time seeing it sometimes. And so that gives us, you know, we have both law and gospel aspects there. Does that, does that make sense? Is that, I don't know if that was too much of a deep dive right off the the bat, but. Um, If I could jump in, just to rephrase kind of the same thing, I think. Uh, you talked about it being a future thing. It's an indicative, isn't it? Um, yeah. And another part of what you're saying is like, this is not what we do. So the way that I explain this, uh, especially with since we talked about how God saying, I'm the Lord, your God is a gospel thing. And that, that gives us a relationship and an identity. We're a family, just like when we're baptized, we're brought into the family of God. Um, given the right to be called sons and daughters of God. And you think about a loving father and his family, and he he's not just going around like some, you know, uh, like leader of a nation or something saying, don't do, do this, don't do that. No, a father's saying, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is our identity. And, um, and so then, you know, it still ends up acting like a, a command in the sense of, or an imperative in the sense of, if you break it and you do something that your family, that's not a part of who you are, it's still convicting and it can actually break the relationship. Um, so there's still a really important part of uh, recognizing sin and calling sin, sin. The Ten Commandments do expose that in us or the Ten Words, but um, but at the same time, it doesn't define us um, by just do's and don'ts. Um, you know how sometimes when uh, when somebody does something really bad, especially a kid, we say, man, you are naughty. And uh, that is giving them an identity, not just saying you've done something wrong, but you are naughty rather than, you know, saying this isn't what we do. As God's people, you know, mm-hmm. our identity ought to be based in God's goodness and, and his, his love and being right, because that's really what he's going to share is that our way is a way of loving and and walking in the truth. And when we stray from that, we are called back to our identity. We are not given, uh, ident- you know, we're not um, identifying um with naughtiness <laughs> you're naughty um and it's true that you know we can act naughty and um but as god's people well there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus that's not our identity um if we stop believing we stop repenting and we don't want to be a part of the family of god anymore then our identity changes once again but god calls us back to that and he would draw us back to be a part of his family in that case too. I don't know if that helps any further, but I just 
I see a lot of this being connected to our identity and our family relationship with God. Yeah, for sure. And and hopefully this kind of helps to uh to illustrate the way that that God's law functions. So um so at its in our most basic definition, you know, the law of God is a reflection of his character. Um, and it is his will for, well, for all people, but especially for, for his people. Um, and his, and his will is, is good and righteous. Um, and so when we talk about the, you know, the conviction of the law or the law exposing our sin, we, we want to be careful not to assign, um, a negative, like describe the law in a, in a negative way, like, oh, the law is bad because it makes me feel bad or something like that. Mm-hmm. The law of God is good. And so what, what makes the difference in how that law functions in particular as the Holy Spirit applies to us is, is us. So what I mean is, like, take, for example, before, before the fall into sin, God gave um, instructions to... Adam and Eve, God's law and his will were the same. And prior to the fall into sin, there was no conflict with in Adam and Eve with God's law. They're like, oh, you know, this is good. God has given me this to do. This is what I this is what I do. I am his created creature. This is a vocation he's given me. Right. There's no there's no conflict. There's no conviction because there's no sin. Right. But the fall, then when sin enters the world, now there is conflict with God's law because we are unrighteous and God's law is righteous. God's law hasn't changed. We changed, right? So when we come to God's commandments, his law, when we come in our unrighteousness, because remember as, um, you know, so prior to, you know, prior to having our sins forgiven and being brought into, into Christ, into God's family, we're, we're going to have all kinds of conflict with the law because we are entirely unrighteous, right? As Christians, we are both righteous and unrighteous, right? We are at the same time justified in Christ with Christ's righteousness, and we are still sinners. And so in our unrighteousness, so insofar as we are sinners, we are going to come into conflict with God's law, not because God's law has changed or because it's bad, but because we're bad. <laughs> the problem's with us. But insofar as we are, you know, we have the righteousness of Christ, we are not going to have conflict with God's law. We are going to say, this is, you know, the good and righteous will of God, and I want to do those things because I am a new creature in Christ. And because we are both sinners and saints at the same time in this life, we are, we are always going to be having this, you know, conflict here. And, Oh, I want, I want to do, you know, God's law because I delight in his will. And then also, Oh man, I am convicted by this because I don't do it. And that's and that's the the reality of the Christian life. And that's why we speak of the Christian life as, you know, repentance and faith, 
right? Because we have, we have both aspects. So insofar as we are new creatures, we delight in God's law and we want to do God's law. And indeed we do, you know, but it's always imperfect in this life because we still have the sinner, right? And so we will also feel the conviction of God's law when it comes into contact with the sinner in us, if that, if that kind of makes some sense. And so, so sometimes it can make us feel like we're crazy, Maybe because like, you know, we at the same time, we want to, we desire to do God's will. And then we're also convicted by that same will. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly right. Because we are both sinners and saints in this life. And so our entire life is law and gospel, right? You know, as we are convicted of sin and called to repent and assured of the forgiveness of sins. And in that forgiveness, as new creatures in Christ, we desire to uh obey god's law and 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 keep it again recognizing it's a it's ever only a beginning in this life and so if that kind of helps to to make some sense as to how you know god's law functions because it's the same law it's the same will of god it's the the good and gracious and just will of god the difference in how it functions is in relation to us if that makes sense so god's law never changes but it's going to function differently when it's striking the sinner in us and when it's striking the saint in us if that if that makes some sense mm-hmm. and and we aren't always able to you know it's not like we can draw a neat line between the the two because we are one person but we have those well you know it's like we're Two people in one person, in a in a sense, you know, we have both of these realities. Yeah, I like that. That was really helpful, Ben. Um, and it also talks about like why it is so important that we keep in mind that verse two, you know, the the relationship, the context that these commands are are given to us, because we have that saint in us that wants to do the will of God, the sinner that fails and falls short, and so we always keep coming back to the one who redeemed us. And as Mike or Matt has talked about the one who gives us our identity in, in Christ in our Mm -hmm. baptism. So yeah, good stuff guys. Uh, I know time is starting to get away from us a little bit. We got a couple minutes left. Um, Let's talk about some of the numbering issues we have with the 10 commandments. I know we wanted to cover that today um, because we run into one like right away in the next couple of commandments, right? Um, if you grew up in a in a Lutheran church, uh, your second commandment is you should have no other gods before me. And then the third can commandment, I, yeah. Can I jump in here real quick? Or yeah, uh, just right at this point, I I had a guy come over to church one time, um, and uh, and and uh, say, why do you Lutherans uh, throw out the second commandment? Why don't you believe that? And he's looking at the next verse, verse four, it says, you shall not make yourself a carved image and so on. He's like, why do you guys not believe this? This is in the Bible. Well, why so. don't we believe it, Matt? <laughs> what, so what do we do with that? Uh, <laughs> have we really thrown it out? <laughs> is kind of the question. Not, not at all. We just in. So basically. What I was the. The numbering that we have in the Lutheran church is the same as it is in the Roman Catholic church. Uh, you know, Luther saw no reason to rearrange the numbering, but basically the way we understand that is that um, the, 
the command regarding the statement regarding carved images and so on is part of the first, um, what we would, you know, part of the first commandment. That's how we would understand it. So the first commandment in you shall have no other gods, it includes the carved images and so on, because what's going on there? Idols, right? So, so we, we include that in the first commandment, whereas in the reformed traditions split that up. But when they come to the other side of things, they collapse the coveting into one commandment. Whereas in our numbering, we have two commandments that deal with coveting. So we're covering the same material. Um, it's just a matter of like, have you, do you split the first commandment? So then you have one and two and join together the coveting, or do you just, do you have two commandments that deal with coveting and the carved images and idols is collapsed into the first commandment. So it's, it's the same content with both. Yeah. So then um, <clears throat> basically with those nine, uh, you know, we end up kind of splitting one of them into two, it seems, because naturally you would kind of count them in nine, maybe depending on so, how you like to read it. But then the Jews, they see that what we call the intro as being the first one. And then, right. Which does make a lot of sense, right? Like if you have the, you know, the 10 words, if the, I am the Lord, your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt is the first word. Then the second word is everything dealing with the idols and, you know, nor the gods and idolatry. And then the final word would be about coveting. So they would both be grouped together and then you would have the 10 words. But in all of this, the Jews, the Roman Catholics, the Lutherans, <laughs> the Reformed Church, none of us are getting rid of anything. We just are right. counting them differently. And, and it's all because we don't know when it doesn't tell us Moses came down with two tablets Right. And and we're not given the actual numbering that he had, right? And it's right. even possible that, I mean, I've heard that there might have even just been a repeat of the commandments. All of them were on one, and then all of them were repeated on the second. There's different thoughts on how this goes, but but mm -hmm. it, it should be clear that there aren't none of the Christian churches are getting rid of any of the the verbiage. We're just counting them and structuring them differently as we try to understand them. Right, all the same content. At least we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I can't speak for every church in the world. Somebody right. might throw right. something out, but if you're trying to be faithful to the Word of God, you might number it differently. But you leave yeah. all of it in there and cover all of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, fellas, we've hit the end of our time. Anybody got any closing comments before we close up in a word of prayer? I guess just to remember that that God loves you and that um, to keep in mind as you deal with the laws that God's loving purpose is there for you. And it might not always feel good as you're convicted, but God has acted first in grace and love for you to make you his own, but um, he even uses the conviction of the law to bring you back to him to receive his grace and forgiveness. Thanks, Matt. All right, let's close up in a word of prayer. 
Uh, Father God, thanks for today. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to take a look at Exodus and the Ten Commandments. Um, Lord, I ask that you would just bless the rest of the time that we spend studying through these as we walk through Luther's small catechism. Um, give us wisdom and insight so that we might understand uh, what you have to say to us in your word. Bring us conviction of sin and point us to Christ. We pray these things, Lord, in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. See ya.